we are continuing in on our uh, fivefold ministry study, and we're on the gift of the shepherd. Um, those who haven't been here before, or um, I did spend time with the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and now we're in the pastor teacher area. Um, so I'm not just kind of hammering down on the pastors or trying to preach about the, the shepherds, but we've been covering all those different bases for a while. And uh, this week, um, we're going to go into some instruction that I thought was um, super awesome of Paul's instruction. Um, we started off and we looked at um, Peter and how Jesus instructed Peter to be a shepherd to the church and to, and to, to um, take care of the flock and how he reinstated Peter when Peter blew it and re-entered him into that ministry and said, hey, I haven't given up hope on you just because you messed up. I haven't given up on you just because you, you failed me or you, you um, said you didn't even know me. I still want you to feed my sheep and take care of my flock. And, and Peter was reinstated. And then we looked at last week that Peter got the message that we've seen through Peter's life that even though he blew it, he came back and he led the church and, and he laid down his life and, and those big things that he boasted that he said he would do and then he failed. He said, like, I'll even go to jail for you. I'll never leave you. I'll even die for you. Well, Peter ended up going to jail for Christ and he ended up did give up his life for Christ and he did follow through. And uh, we saw those examples and we heard the things that Jesus told Peter, Peter reinstated and gave to the elders. And now I want to look at Paul, Paul's instructions to the church, to the elders, especially to the pastors, those, those leaders of the church. And we find that in Acts chapter 20. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. Um, but in my study and my preparation, and, and once again, um, this morning, I was just reading some chapters ahead and the Lord started just popping some things um, to where we're at today. And this message, I, I don't know where we're going to end up. I don't know um, if it's anything like the first service. It was, um, it was a ride. Um, and, and I'm not going to try to reproduce that because I can't. Um, but I'm going to at least start back where the Lord directed it and see what, how, how that goes. How's that sound? Um, I did get through one of the points um, of the message. So that was good. Um, so we're going to attempt to do that. But if we don't... Um, I have in the past, I'm just going to say, I've been trying to run through things, and there's different times you hear me, I'm like, because I feel like, man, I need to get through this, and I don't know if it's because I was up a lot of the night last night or what, but um, this morning, I just had a lot more calm, relaxed um, feel of like, you know what, if I don't get to the end of this, okay, whatever. Um, so if we don't get to the end of it, I'm okay with it as long as you're okay with it, amen? All right. So when I was beginning to look at this, um, Paul had spent time in Ephesus. Paul had... Um, built a church there. He'd stayed there for a few years and established it. And in that area, um, he, he comes back through and there's a revival that starts to happen. Now in chapter 19 in my Bible, and, and I didn't come up with it, I'm not that smart, but through the book of Acts, I was taught at one point in the, when I was in Teen Challenge that every single one of the chapters has a, has a like you can put your own title to it and it helps you remember. Um, the, so in my Bible, I have written in chapter 19, Ephesian revival and riot. Ephesian revival and riot. Now, I think that's pretty interesting because I'm seeing today that revival and riot go hand in hand. And, and it's nothing new. This was a part of the early church. Like in the early church, when revival would happen, there would be rioting happening also in the culture. Does that sound familiar? Like just because there's things that are like the atmosphere might be a little funky or things might be off, that is a really good spot for the church to be. The church shouldn't be scared of that, and the church shouldn't be going and trying to close its doors during those times. It's the time for the church to be the church. Amen? So we've seen, and I've seen that this morning as I was looking back over that, 
that uh, these, these people had been saved. They, they just got baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's just being poured out in this area. And there's miracles and stuff's happening in the midst of it. How many know that's a good thing? In the midst of all that, there's miracles and there's signs. And, and, and even so much so that just Paul's like handkerchiefs and parts of his clothing. They were taking parts off and taking them to other people. And people were getting healed. You go, that's really weird. Well, it's not that weird. Remember the woman with the issue of blood that reached out and touched Jesus' hem of his garment. Just, the, just his clothing. She was healed instantly. So that kind of stuff was happening. How many know that's a good day? Like, good things are happening. Also, in the midst of that, there is a riot. The, the, the rest of the folks are not happy with the church. Very, they're very upset. They're riot, rioting. They're wanting to lock, lock the Christians up and shut the church up. So um, something really cool that I was, in, I was encouraged by this is, and I believe this very strongly, that church, as, as stuff starts getting a little funky, as things start getting a little challenged in our culture and, and, and in our midst, even here, and I don't want to be a buzzkill, but I just want to let you know that um, Things are going to get a little rough for a little bit. Now, I'm not a doom and gloom guy because in my life, even though when things have got rough spiritually, I grew a lot. Um, I got super built up. Like the last few years were challenging, but I've grown more in the last few years than I've ever grown. So how many, how many else have done that? If you've been walking with the Lord, like, yeah, there were some challenges, but in the midst of it, I've grown. So in the midst of this um, riot, there's also a revival happening. And, and I believe this is where we're headed. Um, I don't think that we're the, the warm, fuzzy time for the church is, is over. Um, you are not going to be liked. Just get just get used to this. Um, the culture today is not going to like you. They're, they're going to hate you and you'll be in good company. Jesus said they hated me. Therefore, they'll also hate you. Aren't you encouraged? <laughs> now, now, you will be encouraged at some point today, but I want to let you know that that if you were thinking like the church and the role that the church has had in the past is not the same. It cannot stay where it is. And the church is, is getting shook, not by Satan, but by the Lord. The Lord is shaking the church. The Lord is shaking everything on this planet, and he's trying to get our attention. And everything that's not founded on him is going to fall by the wayside. Now, right now in our culture, there's a huge thing happening. It's called Roe versus Wade. Now, there is a fight that's happening, and it is a fight for life and a fight for death. It is a fight for good and a fight for evil. It is a fight of light and a fight of darkness. And church, do not think that this is going to change anytime soon. That if you thought COVID shook the church, I'm just saying this, this issue right now will shake the church, I believe, more than, than COVID ever did. If you thought like, oh, now I can kind of kick back. No, no, it's not that time because you are going to be hated, church. You're going to be hated over this issue, not just this issue. I, and here we go. Um, there's been lots of people offended at some of my messages in the past, so much so some people have left. Um, I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you're offended. Like, I'm not, it's, I don't, it's not my, per I don't wake up every day. I'm like, who can I offend today? Like, that, if, if you're a Christian and you're doing that, you're doing it wrong. Like, it ain't your mission to go offend people. Your mission is to speak the truth in love. That is our mission. That's what we've been called to do. Now, when you speak the truth in love, it can't offend some people. And that's okay. We're going to have to be okay with that. And let me tell you that the culture of today and the days that we're in, you are going to be offending a lot of people. And if you're not okay with that, then you better get okay with it. 
Because God is not calling you to be cowards. You need to hear me. Jesus wasn't a coward. Whatever pictures we have of this little, this little, oh, kumbaya Jesus, he just sang kumbaya everywhere he went. And he just was okay with everybody. And he just, no, he wasn't. And he was really not okay with religious people. Of all the harsh words that came out of Jesus' mouth, it was to religious people who were misrepresenting him. To the sinners, to those who were lost, he was very kind. And he was very loving to them. Now, when he would lead them, he would tell them, now go and sin no more. But he was very stern with the religious folks. And, and he would actually go, and at times he flipped over tables in the, in the temple and made a whip and drew everyone out of there. They all left. That wasn't a coward. I'm going to tell you what, when you start messing with people's money and you take their goods and you flip everything over, um, they're going to want their stuff. And Jesus was like, no, you're not going to have your stuff. You're going to get the heck out of here. And guess what they all did? They got out. Now, that wasn't the love in his eyes. That was fire in his eyes. That was a zeal that was put in him from God Almighty. That was a zeal. And church, some of you are starting to feel some of that frustration and even aggravation and even anger. That's not necessarily bad. I begin checking myself on some of that. Now, now if what I do with it can be bad, but that stir and that frustration and that, oh, against evil, if it's, that's God. Jesus was not okay with evil. He was not okay with sin. He was not okay with seeing his father misrepresented. And in a day and time today that even the church and people are speaking that God is for abortion. They're trying to justify that. Church, we cannot have any part of that. If you're a Christian, you cannot have, in this day and age, you cannot have any siding with abortion. Now listen, ladies, if you've had an abortion, I'm not judging you. My past was so messed up. I did so many things in the past that I'm not going, you're a bunch of horrible people. Here's what I know. Anything that you've ever done, anything I've ever done, if it's under the blood, it's under the blood. It's, it's gone as far as the east is from the west. Jesus has canceled that. But we, once we come to the Lord, once I came to the Lord, I had to say those things I used to do, they're not okay. That, that is a path that leads to death. That is a path that leads to hell. And I don't want no one to go down that path. So we have a responsibility when we've come out of the dark into the light to let our light so be shined by men that they will see our good deeds and glorify our Father. That is what God is calling the church to do today, to come out of the dark, to quit sitting on the sidelines. God is not called, he's not raising up a sissified church. He's not raising up a politically correct church. He's not raising up a woke church. He's raising up his church. And his church is going to stand with him. And guess what? It doesn't matter who doesn't stand with him. See, Jesus came and he said, I came with a sword. And a lot of people will say that Jesus came with a sword that he's going to go conquer in the next kingdom. Yes, he will. But he's came with a sword in this day. And he is dividing, rightly, the sheep from the goats. He is dividing what side are you going to stand on. Are you going to stand for truth? Are you going to stand for life? Are you going to stand for love? And not, well, my truth is this, and my love, there is his truth. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And he said, no man comes to, to, to my father but by me. That seems very close-minded, doesn't it? 
It does. I remember going to the jail for years and people say, well, that's pretty closed minded. I said, it is. I agree with you. It is very closed minded. But the one who said it is the one who died on the cross for your sin and for my sin. He's the one who can say it because he is the only way. He is the only he's the truth and he always speaks the truth. So there's only one way to the father. There's not ten. As the church, we can't join hands and, and kumbaya with every other religious group that there is. We're not brothers and sisters. You're a brother or a sister of mine if your dad is my dad. If you agree that, hey, he's the only way. Hey, brother. Now, we don't have to agree on all the little different things, but guess what? If you got my dad's DNA, right, we're family. But if you don't, we ain't family. How hard is that? Jesus is not, he's calling us to come out of the dark. He's calling us to walk into light. Church, this isn't a new message, but it seems like a new message. We have been so told that, well, we need to be politically correct. That you, no, you don't. It is not, the, that day is over. Things are so bold and in your face. Have, I don't know if you're watching this, but people are fighting with all of their might to kill innocent babies. They're actually pushing. Now it's, 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 it used to be, well, that's my political party. It, that's just a little thing. It's part of, I don't like that part of it, but I agree with all these other things. Well, no, your political party now is pushing that as the main thing. I'm watching the commercials for our governor. I'm watching, and this is their fight. This is their push. He will stand for killing babies. He, if, if the government shuts it down, we will have a sanctuary state. We will kill more than we ever have. Church, where are we at? Now listen, if that happened in the past, we di you didn't have the technology that you have now. Today, more and more people are awake. You can see that this truly is a baby. Like, there is fingers. There is a head. There is, this is a, this is a human life. And you know what? Our country was founded on this fact, that God has created every single life. It has value. That is in our Constitution. It's foundational to our nation. That every single person has inalienable rights. It means they weren't given by men. They were given by God. And the first is that you have life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Everyone has a right to life. And we got to get wise. Listen, when people say, well, I have a right to do what I want with my body. I say, sure, do what you want with your body. But that child has different DNA. That's different DNA. That's not your body. That's someone else's body. You don't have a right to do whatever you want with someone else's body. You have, we have, the church have a right to defend life. God is expecting you to not sit on the sideline on this. If you're sitting back like, well, I just, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't want to disrupt. I don't want to talk about any of these things. I, well, I have people in my family. Yeah, so do I. So do I. What, what does that have to do with the truth? What is it? The church is headed for a very, very big fight. And I've been trying to prepare this church for a few years. And it's coming. And it's going to come under the LGBTQ dot, 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 he, they, them, whatever. And if you don't agree with that, you are going to be seen as the most hateful people on the planet. The most bigoted, evil hateful people and just let people church it's happening already there is there is a, a church 
that they used to be like they had the, um, what is it called when you're the, um, you dress up different. Drag, thank you. They had, like, they've been having drag queens teach kids, like, in, at the library. Like, reading books, getting people used to drag queens. Well, now the church has had a drag queen come and lead service. That's nothing. It's going to get funky. And, and they said, well, we just, we didn't do it on Sunday, and they called it, I was dragged to church. They're like, it's kind of funny. We didn't do it on Sunday. We did it on Thursday. You guys, now let me tell you what's going to happen. And, and listen, I'm, I don't hate homosexuals. I don't. I love them. I love them enough to be honest and tell the truth. I love them enough. Here's what happens. When you, when you don't know what your identity is, God has created men and women in his image. God created man in his image. If you don't understand that or you disagree with that, I'm sorry. You have a right to be wrong. God created men and women in his image. He wasn't confused when he made a man or a woman. When we go and tell God, you're wrong. You made me wrong. You know who's wrong in that? You are. And here's what happens. When people start down that path, they start, they start going, oh, I think you messed me up. I have these feelings. Then you start taking hormones. You start putting stuff in your body that was never meant to be in your body, and it causes havoc in your body. Church, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, and he's really good at it. And then you start going to the next step. You still don't feel like, well, I don't still feel like I'm, I still feel like I need to do more so that I really, then if I get the surgery, then I'll feel like that. And then these people are getting the surgeries, and guess what's happening? They know in, inherently who God created them to be. And they're miserable. They can't find peace. They can't find happiness. And they take their lives. And the enemy is having a field day. And the church is keeping their mouth shut because they're afraid to offend people. And the whole time, these people are getting led down a road farther than they ever needed to be or wanted to be. And it ends in death. And we would get in the way if they were alcoholics. We would get in the way if they were drug addicts. Oh, but we can't do that, brother. That's offensive. You know, it's offensive to God that his bride doesn't stand up for the truth. It's offensive to God that his sons and his daughters don't stand up for the truth. You need to be more worried about offending God than you're worried about offending people. If you're going to take on the title of a son or daughter of God, then you better represent your father. This is the time that the, the enemy is coming to try to steal, kill, and destroy. And you better be able to stand up and point people to Jesus. You better be able to stand up and go, this is the truth. You better get educated. You better get educated in his word. This is the truth. Not educated on your opinion. Not educated. You need to get educated on his word. God loves every single person. And if you can't tell the truth without being offensive or slamming people's head into the wall or telling people God hates you and you're going to hell, you're doing it wrong. Shut your mouth. You need to be motivated by the love of God to see that people are broken, that people are hurting, and that they need Jesus, just like you did. Just like you did. It doesn't matter the flavor of sin. All sin will send people to hell. The problem is, is when you tell God sin isn't sin, you have a problem. When you tell God that what I'm doing isn't sin, you've made me this way, that's different than everything else. You see, when I was chasing women, and, and it didn't matter. I'm not better because I was chasing women. But I didn't tell God that was okay. I knew it was wrong. 
I knew when I was doing drugs it was wrong. I knew when I was lying and cheating and stealing it was wrong. I never said, God, it's your fault. You made me this way. No one will be able to stand before God. Church, they're going to stand before God someday, and you are going to be in their midst, and they're going to look at you and go, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you? Well, I I was afraid to offend you. The culture wasn't really cool with it. You think the culture's like that by reason? Satan knows his day's coming short. He's going to make it as uncomfortable as he possibly can for the church. So you better put your big boots on, you better strap them up, and you better take your sword out. And the sword ain't to go start chopping people's ears off. The sword is the word of God. You don't, it's, not, it's not to go chopping, it's so that you can rightly divide. You can cut away the lies, you can cut away the falseness. You can implant the truth. You can bring healing. The surgeon uses a scalpel. He doesn't just go cutting. He goes into an area and he's careful about where he's cutting. Church, God is shaking this thing. He's the one saying, wake up, my bride. Wake up, church. Get, don't fall. He's not looking for a woke church. He's awake. We're the ones who are asleep. He's been ringing the bell for a while saying, come unto me. But we're following the culture being led. Well, it's. Oh. We did what they did in Acts. Demetrius was a silversmith in Acts 19. He made a lot of money and there's a bunch of people that made a lot of money building these idols to Diana. And he says, and he, and he goes to the men. He goes, hey, our, our whole fortunes, every, our livelihood, everything's going to be shipwrecked because of this guy Paul in this church. There was a lot of money to be made. Church, abortion's a big industry. There's a lot of money to be made in sin. And guess what? When you start coming against that, you're going to have the same problems that Paul had. Guess what? The church has been bought off. The church is bought off. A lot of the church, and I'm not going to say every pastor in every church because that's whitewashing everything. I'm not doing that. But the church has kept their mouth shut for too long because we're worried about who's going to sit in the seats and who's going to pay the bills. They're depending on people and not depending on their father. And guess what? There hasn't been power in the church for a long time. You know why? Because we sold out. The church sold out. We sold out to being politically correct so we can have full houses. We sold out to following the ways of the world. And guess what? I don't know about you, but my father never blessed me when I was in disobedience. My father never poured out all the things he wanted to do for me when I was in disobedience. And our father doesn't. But, oh, church, let me tell you, as the church begins waking up, as the church begins standing up for the things that are right, he's pouring out his power. He's pouring out his anointing. You're going to see more and more signs and wonders. And we're seeing it happening. We're seeing the Lord... this church is growing. It's not by us doing a, a build the church program plan. I mean, a lot of people left, but God's bringing his own people in. He's doing it. And he's healing people. And he's touching people because we're following him. We're submitting ourselves to the Lord. We're saying, Lord, I agree with you. Lord, you're right. And as we do that, he pours his blessing out. Are you with me? So this is, this is what was happening in, uh, in the church, in Acts. There, on the other side of that, there's, re- there's revival happening and there's rioting happening. And this thing with Roe versus Wade, it's about to get ugly. 
They're already going in, in against the, the Supreme Court justices. They're going to their homes. That's just the beginning. Church, you need to be praying for our Supreme Court justices. You need to be praying all hell is against them. You think, listen to me, child sacrifice is demonic. This, this country has a curse on it. And demons are empowered by child sacrifice. It has been for the, since the beginning. They would sacrifice the blood of children. And they would murder babies. And it would empower demons. Now guess who don't want to see abortion stopped in this country? So who do you think's behind it? Can you not see? Can you not see on the news? When you put on the news, look at the evil in the eyes and the faces of the people that are fighting to continually kill innocent babies. There's a spirit behind that. And church, you better get ready because that's who you're coming against. You're gonna, someone's got to stand up and go, I'm sorry, it's wrong. I don't know where the church has been for the last 50 years, but the church is waking up. Now, here's what you're also going to see, church. You're going to see a church that does compromise. You're going to see a church that will let the homosexuals pastor churches. You will see churches start getting prosperous, and then you're going to see the rest of the culture go, what is wrong with you crazy people? You unloving, hateful, evil people. That's what they'll call this church. You watch. Because there'll be other churches, so they get their bills paid, so they get popular, so they have all the, they don't want to stand, the, they won't stand up, they won't take the shots. So there will be a church, an antichrist church. There will be an evil church that looks like it's loving, that lets anything go. But guess what? A good parent don't let anything go with your kids. Amen. You know that if they continue, they're going to die. There's going to be consequences to pay. But they'll let it go. And then the, the parents and those who are leading the churches that are walking with the Lord, they're going to be big targets. You're going to have some people go, like, you're, you really believe that? You're twisted. You're evil. You might have people spitting in your face. You might have people throwing rocks at your house. I don't think the persecution that's coming here is the same as it is in uh, Afghanistan right now or as it is in uh, North Korea because this country was still founded on godly principles. There's still the religious freedom that was, that was founded here. But there will be a cultural persecution. I, you, oh, I know that's coming. And you better be grounded on the truth. You better be like, you better make your decision now. Choose today. Who are you going to serve? Are you going to stand with the side with God? Because he's bringing a sword, church. He told the last church in, in, in uh, the book of Revelation, the Laodicean church, which would be our era, if you're hot or cold, he said, I would rather, is he not saying pick a side? Either be hot or be cold. That's a, that's a separation. If you're, if you're cold or lukewarm even, I'll spew you out of my mouth is what he said. He said, I come to the church. In, that, in this generation, he comes to the church. Do you think it's funny that he has to knock on the outside of the door of the church in this generation? He's not in the church of this generation. He's standing at the door of the church's knocking. Can I come in? I don't think it was, it was any coincidence that he had to stand outside the door of the church and knock because we shut down the church. Worldwide, the church was shut down in our era. Never happened before. The world shut down, and here Jesus says, Hey, can I come in? He's, he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He's the one who knows the beginning from the end. He is Alpha and Omega. And he's not caught off guard by any of this. 
You better put your faith and your trust in him in this day and age. If you're putting your faith and trust in your finances, you're putting your faith and trust in people, you're putting your faith and trust, I don't know, in what? In cars and, I don't know, investments? Now, look, I'm not preaching a, a, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know this. If there's only one rock to stand on, Jesus foretold, he said, guess what? There's a storm coming. And when the storm comes, if your house isn't founded on the rock, and he described the rock as himself, if your life isn't founded on me, the waves are going to come, the storms are going to come, and it's going to beat against your house, and it's going to fall. So don't be foolish enough to think, well, I've got enough investment saved up. I've got Whatever it is that you think is going to be your God is going to fall. He's the only one who's going to stand. And those who are built on him, the Bible's already said, you're going to stand. When the waves come, when the storm comes, great was that crash for those who were on the sand. But nothing happened to those who were on the rock. And if your investments go, and if your food supplies go, and if, guess what? Our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can bring manna to come down from heaven. He can bring quails to show up in your driveway. He can bring some deer to cross your path. I'm not too concerned. He owns it all. And if you're operating from a, sorry for you animal lovers, but a man's got to eat. <laughs> if, if you're concerned to the point that you're, not losing, you're losing sleep, and church, that's a spirit of fear. And God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of love, of power, and of having a sound mind. When all the stuff's hitting the fan, we should be able to go like, Huh, yeah, that kind of stinks, but my God's good. My God hasn't changed. He's always taken care of me. And those of us who are elders, those of us who are older, that have walked through some stuff, we should be pointing the way instead of running and hiding. Do you think it's by coincidence that the biggest threat was to the elderly? Where's all the wisdom? Who's been through some stuff? Oh, get all, the, get all the older people that have wisdom locked away. Get them in fear. Guess, what, guess who, who will follow in that? All the rest of us. Hey, you know what? I grew up. Now, if my mom and dad are freaked out and they're worried, or my grandparents are freaked out and they're worried, that's usually a time to worry. I grew up like watching. If my dad ain't scared, I ain't scared. If he's scared, we got a problem. Right? That, that's how it should be. I tell my wife and my kids that. Hey, don't worry about that. If you see me worried, then it's time to worry. Like, then you better be paying attention. Get behind me. Jesus ain't worried. Jesus is the one that's about ready to open the scroll. He's the one who's like, hey, I'm going to send the Antichrist out. The Antichrist is like, he's, he's stuck on stupid. He's stuck on stupid until the Lord says, okay, now you can go. He's under his foot. He's a tool. God's in control, church. God is in control. Our God is the God of heaven's armies. He's the God of heaven's armies. Every other, everything on the planet or anything that can be seen or can't be seen was created by our God. Everything else is a created thing. But there's only one creator. Is that making sense to you? What are we afraid of? The Bible says, if God is for me, who can be against me? The Bible says, greater is he that is in me, that's greater is Christ in me than he that's in this world. Greater is Christ in me than the Antichrist. That means if I go facing off with a thousand demons, as long as Jesus is with me, 
they need to get out of the way. They're going to lose that fight. Now, don't get it twisted. There were some men in chapter 19 of Acts who saw the power of God, and they began to use God's name without knowing him, without having him in their life, and those demons whooped them. They took off running naked. So guess what? I'm not being cocky in myself because I ain't stupid enough to go fight the devil by myself. I did that in my past life. He chewed me up. But I'll tell you what, now that Christ is in me, the hope of glory, and I know who I am in Christ, I'm not afraid of a thousand demons, not as long as Jesus is with me. I've come against some stuff. And yeah, there's moments, we're going to have weak moments, but the Holy Spirit that's inside of us is going to rise up. The Spirit of God is going to rise up inside of you. I don't even want to get to a point. You know why the Holy Spirit isn't taught in the church anymore? Because it's the power of the church. Satan has got so many churches deceived. They've got theology to a point that we, they'll say they believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is not in the church. They're okay with God the Father. They're okay with God the Son. They'll baptize people in God the Holy Spirit, but they will not allow the Holy Spirit to run the church. Are you hearing me? There are three people. There are three persons. And Jesus himself said, I got to go, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. The, my spirit, I'm giving to you, and he will lead you and guide you into all truth. He will teach you, he will equip you, and he will empower you. Do you think Jesus knew what he was doing? Do you think we need the power of the Holy Spirit in this day and age? Yeah. Why do you think that the church has been under the delusion of theology and things that sound good to men, but they don't agree with God? I'll get to my first point. Don't worry, this point took like 10 minutes last time. <laughs> Acts chapter 20. Things aren't that much different, church, today than they were. Acts 20 said, But when we landed at Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus asking them to come and meet him. So Paul is sending messages out to the church in Ephesus. All the leaders, the pastors of the church that he had established said, come over, I need to talk to you guys. And Paul knows his time's getting short, so he's giving final instruction. How many know final instruction is pretty good instruction? So this is what Paul starts doing. When they arrived, he declared, you know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I've endured the trials that come to me from the plot of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I'm going to stop there. Paul was able to say, I never shrank. He said, I didn't get cowardly. I didn't hide anything from you. I brought the truth to you every time I was with you. Church, look at me. You have a responsibility to do that in your day. You have a responsibility to do that around the people that God has put around you. Don't shrink back from that responsibility. If you, that, those of you that know the truth, you have a response. He said, I never shrink back from telling you what you needed to hear, not what you wanted to hear. There's a big difference between what people need to hear and what they want to hear. How many, I know that for myself. People tell me things I don't like all the time, but most of the time it's true. And when it's my family or someone that I love, I can count on that being 
That's a, the Bible says wounds from a, from a, wounds from a friend are trusted. You can trust a friend if they're telling you something and they're your friend and they love you and it, and it hurts. You can trust that. Paul never stopped doing that. He said, not in public or in your home. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike. Oh, wow. The same message no matter who it is. That doesn't go with today's woke culture. Well, you can't say that to them. No, it's the same message. The necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus. That's the gospel. We, there's not much to add to that. People need to repent from their sin and turn to God. And if that's offensive, that's offensive. Would you rather offend someone or stand before God someday and watch them as they're getting separated from the sheep and the goats and they're headed to hell forever? Well, and they're looking at you, what the heck? Why didn't you tell me? I was with you all the time. Well, bro, I didn't want to offend you. Didn't want to offend you. Didn't want to hurt your feelings. Didn't want to say that what you were doing was wrong. Paul didn't have no part of that. He says, now I'm bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, and I don't know what awaits me. Except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Stop right there. I said this in the first service, and it bears repeating. That kind of messes with the prosperity gospel. That message don't get preached very much. Wait a minute. Who led him and told him that? You mean the Holy Spirit can tell us things that aren't just happy, happy, joy, joy? No way. The Holy Spirit told him and it was leading him to jail and suffering. Here's what I can tell you about the prosperity gospel. Man's idea of prosperity and God's idea of prosperity are two separate things. God is okay with you suffering some things to learn some things and to get some nuggets that come down from heaven inside of you. So that your soul and your equipment and that who you are as a man or a woman would shine and flourish eternally, not temporarily. A prosperity that's eternal is a prosperity that I want. I'm not too concerned with the temporary prosperity. Now, don't get me wrong. I like to spend money. I like to have nice things. But I'm not going to build my life on that. If all that stuff goes, and, and my preaching is not going to get bought off by that. There was, there was a black robe element and regiment in, the, in World War, uh, well, actually, in the colonial time, when we broke off from England. What happened is that, and this is where, how far we came, guys. This seems so foreign to a lot of people, this preaching. But the, the black robe regiment is what saved this country, and this country got founded. Because the king tried to stop. He couldn't stop the pastors in the pulpits that were raising up and riling up the people to fight and resist the king so we'd have religious freedom. That was coming out of the pulpit. They would buy off pastors. They would threaten to kill pastors to shut up that message. And guess what? They still do it today. Pastors and churches are bought off because they don't want to be offensive. Or they're threatened. Guess what? We're not going to get bought off. My, I've counted my life as done already. I, and that's, that's not, I'm not saying that pridefully. I'm saying that's, that's where we're at. Like, I did enough stupid things for the—I went to jail for being a moron many, many times. I could count it a pleasure. I'm not hoping to go, but if I do go to jail for being a Christian, I'll count that an honor. And I'm, I'm going to tell you what, revival's going to hit that jail. I'm going to get everyone in there saved. I'm going to get the jailer saved. I'm going to talk about Jesus. Every, they're going to so, put me in ad seg, and I'm going to write letters. I'm going to beat on the door and tell them, hey, when they bring my food, hey, Jesus loves you. Because I did all that other stuff, not like that for Christ. 
Now look, I got to go on. This is what Paul, this is what God led for Paul. He said, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Church, we need to finish well. You need to finish well. It doesn't matter how we start. How are we going to finish? Some of you that are struggling now or you've blown it over and over, so what? Finish strong. Finish strong. It's not too late. Plant your flag and go, okay, this is it. I'm not going back. It doesn't matter if you failed over and over. I failed many, many times, and I still do. And if you think you can live this thing perfectly, the Bible says, then Jesus died in vain. What do you think it's grace is for? Because you can't do it on your own. You're going to mess up. But his grace is sufficient. Unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Guys, that's our job. We've got to tell others about the wonderful grace of God. Do you not remember what he's brought you from? Do you not remember? Was I the only one who was headed for hell, that was lost, that was broken, that hated everyone else around me and myself? That I went so far that the, the, the enemy was like, see, you've destroyed too much. You've done too much. There's, you'll, never go, you'll never be able to be normal again. You'll always not have a driver's license. You'll have to have people drive you around. You'll, you ought to just end it. He's the thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came, and I heard that voice, and it was different. He said, son, I came to give you life. I came to give you an abundance of life. And let me tell you, when you have a clean conscience... When you have your heart and you've been picked up out of the mud and washed and cleaned and cleansed, and he's established new desires and things in you, you don't even know how it happens. He just does it. It's awesome. Then you want to tell people, hey, you don't have to go that way. You don't have to be broken and lost. Jesus is right here. And you go, that sounds cheesy. I don't care how it sounds. People say, oh, you use God as a crutch. Well, if I do, give me two. I'll take as many of those as I can get. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. That sounds like a man who's got his mind made up. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. Stay on that one. Can you say that? We need to stay on this thing till we can. You need to stay on this till we can. I'm saying we. We need to all get a picture of that. And we need to have that etched in our mind. Have I been faithful? If any, is there anyone out there that I know, if they suffer eternal death, is it going to be my fault? That means that I better start talking. I better start sharing. I better start figuring out a way to let people know the truth. And there's some of you go, well, I'm just waiting for the right time. You know, wait, uh, time's getting short. Does anyone else feel like, I know, I know as we get older, the clock starts speeding up a little bit. That's normal. But has anyone else in this last couple years felt it like grab a few gears? Yeah, that is, that is what the Bible says will happen in the last days. The Bible says that things will start increasing. The whole book of Revelation uses this word, it's Greek word called tachio. It's quickly, 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 quickly. It keeps advancing. Everyone ever read the book of Revelation? It starts off and it's just like you start gaining speed, gaining speed, gaining speed, gaining speed. That's where we're at. 
This is, this is a sign to us. So we don't, like, it's not like, it used to be like, well, you know, when the temperature gets right, then I feel like, no, you just need to speak the truth in love. Make a phone call. Say, hey, can I take you to lunch? When the Holy, how many people, the Holy Spirit's put them on your heart, and you haven't done anything with that? Paul was able to say, I've been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. That is a big statement. I can't say that. Oh, I'm going to work on that one, though. Let me tell you. That thing's been burning. That thing has been like, oh. This is the other one. I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. Can we say that? I didn't shrink. That means I didn't cower. I didn't hide anything. I didn't disclose. I didn't cover up anything. And he goes on and says, so guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church. This is the responsibility of shepherds, to guard yourself and God's people. You guys, that is quite the responsibility. The more I know about shepherding, the more I've studied, and, and even I knew God was calling me, but I know that this is his bride. A shepherd is responsible to take care of God's bride. Not my bride, his bride. I'm to, to shepherd, take care, tend, and protect, and guard. I'm supposed to help present this bride without spot or wrinkle. Unsoiled. Not sleeping around. Are you with me? And we got a lot of shepherds letting, letting the bride ah, dress, do whatever you want. And I'm not talking about your clothing right now. I'm talking about the things that spiritually we'll do and we'll attach ourselves to and get involved in. And the shepherds aren't saying a word about it. They're not going to, Jesus ain't going to be too pleased with that. It's his flock. How do we know? He purchased it with his own blood. Bought and paid for, paid in full, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I'm going to say something else. I, I'm probably not going to go back up there for my notes. <laughs> but I'm going to say this. You that are leaders in the church, or you that you feel God's calling you to lead in this era, in this day and time, if you're, if you're leading, and if anyone's listening, on, I don't know who, not that many people listen, but if there's anyone out there that's leading, and you don't feel God called you in the spot that you're in, you better get out of it. Because where we're headed, if you're not called to be in it, you better get out of it. Because you better know that the Holy Spirit has appointed you. Not that man's appointed you. Not that you got the, the graduation certificate. Not that you went through the Bible school classes and someone said that you're educated enough to pastor or you're educated enough to be a leader in the body, but that the Holy Spirit has appointed you. Because if you're not appointed from him, you're not qualified. You need to hear me. I'm telling you, what we're, what we're headed for, and you're seeing a bunch of the church, people, we've, men has been appointing men by taking classes and taking schooling, and, and I'm not against that, but you better have been called in the first place. Because you're putting people in pulpits that are representing and supposed to be telling the truth and not being a hireling. And then when the, the ones that do come along and tell the truth, it's so foreign that half the church wants to get up and leave. And they, they can't take the meat. They can't handle the truth. And God is not pleased with that. If, you're, if you are, and this is an honorable thing, to be called into the ministry, to call to lead in this day and age, oh, I salute you. And I'm going to encourage you, and I'm going to walk with you. And know 
that if God's called you to do that, it don't matter if you think you're good enough or you think you're equipped enough or you think you know enough. If God's called you, the Holy Spirit has appointed you, you better get to work. You better put on that armor. You better pick up your weapons because there's a fight to be had. And the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. I'm not talking about going and physically fighting. I used to do that. I'm talking about getting on your knees and interceding and shaking hell and going and speaking the truth and converting people that are headed for hell into walking into eternal life. Go ahead. Oh, look what he said. Here's Paul telling them in their last things. He's telling them, I know, not I think, I know that false teachers like ravenous, vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. The ravenous wolves are, are amongst us. There's, there's ravenous wolves trying to separate and divide the church, divide the flock. And that's what they do. They'll go and div- cause division. They'll go and look for the weaker ones. You better strengthen yourself, church. You better feed on the word of God. Don't feed on mom and dad, their opinion, what grandma taught. You better feed on the word. You better know Jesus for himself, not through someone else. Not someone else's thought on Jesus. Not someone else's commentary on Jesus. You better know Jesus. You better know his voice. Because his is the voice. The thief will come and he will sound like him. He will look like him. He will give you 90% truth with 10% poison that will kill you. You better know the truth. You better be careful who you're listening to. He says, even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Now this I've watched over and over. And here's how you know they're false. Because when they rise up, the whole and, the, and they, will, they won't tell truths, but the purpose is that they're trying to draw people away to follow them. I've watched this over and over. You'll see within the flock, within a healthy flock, you'll see people that are motivated and they look like Christians, and some of them are Christians, but they're being deceived and misled by another spirit. And they're trying to build themselves. They're not waiting on the Lord to build and establish them. They want to build themselves up. They want to have their own kingdom. They want people to follow them, and they're drawing people away. Paul said that's going to happen, and guess what? It does. Next slide. Look at that word. Watch out. That word in the Greek, I don't remember the name of it in the Greek except there. But here's what it does mean. Wake up. I find that very interesting that he's got to tell them, wake up. That means they're asleep. Church, we've been asleep. We've been lulled to sleep by fairy tale nursery rhymes. It's all going to be okay. Just keep going along with this. It's not a big deal. Go to sleep. There'll be plenty of time later. Don't make a big deal. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Wake up. Watch out. He goes on and says all these different words to mean, like, stand on, stay alert. Stay on your post. Be on guard. That's what that word in the Greek we just have watch out. The word in the Greek means a lot more. It means that, like, look, you've been asleep. The thief's coming. The enemy's coming. Be on guard. These are military terms. Church, the bride of Christ is putting on combat boots. That would be a good painting. I'd like to see someone picture draw that. If someone, good artist, that would be a great tattoo, too. Sorry. But the bride with military boots. 
Maybe a rifle, just saying. <laughs> he said, for three years I was with you, my constant watch. You see, he's telling them to do what he did. Paul constantly watched for him, constantly protected him, constantly shared. In the, in the New King James, it said that he, did, he shared the whole counsel of God. He shared the whole counsel of God. How many churches share the whole counsel of God? Oh, we'll share the good, happy, make you feel good stuff, but the stuff that might be offensive, the stuff that nobody, no, whole counsel. You know what the whole counsel of God means? It means everything that God thinks about everything. That's my interpretation of what it means anyways. The whole counsel, everything that God thinks about everything. Paul didn't hold nothing back. Well, what, we don't want to talk about this. We don't. Jesus wants to talk about it. God wants to talk about it. He put it in here. Everything that we need to know is in there, and it's in there for a reason. He said, remember that for three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many, many tears for you. Shepherding is not a fun spot. Shepherding, it's going to cost you. You're going to be required to keep a constant watch and care night and day. It means you're always on call. And he said, remember my many tears for you. All those things were because he loved his flock. He loved Jesus. He knew the call that God put on him. And he was faithful. And that's what God's looking for today. He's looking for some men and women who will be faithful to the call. I'll close with this. This is a, a quote by Leonard Ravenhill. If you don't know who he is, I would challenge you, if you can find any books on Leonard Ravenhill, get them and read them. This guy was an amazing revivalist and evangelist. But this is a quote from him. He said, A sermon, <laughs> a sermon born in the head, reaches the head. He said, a sermon born in the heart reaches the heart. Then he said, wet-eyed preachers never deliver dry sermons. So today's message, and some people might not have liked it. Um, I'm, no, I used to think that. You see, if our message isn't received, then what good is the message? You can have the truth, and if no one will taste it or eat of it or receive it, what good is it? It's got to be seasoned. We got we to gotta love people enough. And the motivation of everything, it has to be love. It has to be that you love people. That you love people enough to tell them the truth. That you love people enough to share the end of the story. That you love people enough to expose your own faults and your own selves and go, look, I'm no better than you are. I was as lost as you are. And the only difference is that Jesus, I just put my hope and trust in him. Like, I'm so messed up, I still got to go to church. I'm not as good as you. You get to go golfing and fishing and boating and riding your motorcycle every Sunday. I got to go to church because I'm all jacked up. Like I said, if you think he's a crutch, give me two. Because I know, I promise you, I've proved it. I will fail without him. I will fail miserably. And you know what? The world around us is failing miserably. It's your job. It's my job. We are the light of the world. 
How are they going to know if we don't tell them? Who else is going to come? Who else are we waiting for? Let me pray for you.